Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of Christ. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast. You are here for episode number one of my third year in podcasting. Now, that is a little bit misleading. Let me explain. Now, I started doing this podcast back in 2018 on January 1st, and for that entire year of 2018, I did the podcast, recorded an episode each and every day of that year. Now, it actually wasn't each and every day. It was for each and every day or about each and every day. Sometimes I recorded two in a day to get caught up and so forth. Well, 2019 started and I started the year pretty uh, eager and recording one almost every day of 2019. That was year two. And I think I got 90 episodes of the regular episodes, which this is a regular episode. But the year ended. And if you look at the dates on things, I have not recorded a regular episode. And again, I will explain in a moment since the beginning of 2020. And here we are middle, actually past the middle of February in 2020. I'm back though and recording once again. And I'm hoping to record more often. I can't say it's going to be every day, but I think it will be hopefully a few times a week maybe because I miss it. And hopefully you, dear listener, if you are a returning listener, miss it as well. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Hope to give you some thoughtful, reflective, faith-filled, spirit-filled Uh, content on a least somewhat regular basis. Oh yes. So regular podcast. This is in the presence uh, genre, I guess, which means that I reflect at the end of the day, how I experience God's presence through my day-to-day life. You'll notice though, that in the feed, there is another series of podcast episodes, which I I entitle Christ Through the Elements. And those I did quite a few of, actually, over the last number of months. And I'll continue to do those as well. But you, dear listener, are here for the return in year three, episode number one, 2020, of the Presence podcast and how I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open recently to the presence of God. Now, I want to say up front that this will be a spoiler-free episode in part. Which part? Well, you can tell by the heading of the episode, I watched two different stories over this past weekend. One was The Outsiders, and that was a stage show by S.E. Hinton. The other was the recently, a week ago, Academy Award-winning Best Picture for Parasite. And here's the thing. There will be spoilers for The Outsiders because I'm presuming that somewhere along the way you read the book or maybe saw the amazing film and the film itself wasn't amazing. It was just who starred in it. But that's a who's who of young versions of some of our favorites, Tom Cruise and the late Patrick Swayze and Ralph Macchio, just to name a few. So I'm assuming that you know the story of The Outsiders, so I don't feel bad about spoiling that. I will not, though, spoil Parasite. Now, if you've seen the trailer, and I hope you have, if you haven't, 
Stop this podcast right now and go and watch the trailer. It is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. And you want to know why it's one of the best trailers? Because it doesn't give away what the movie's about in its second half. It does say that there is a twist, and there is a twist. Not going to spoil, though, what that twist is. Okay? I will say this, though, and I, I want to clear this up right up front in case you're wondering. The twist has nothing to do with anything supernatural, science fiction, anything like that. Okay? Because when I heard the heard the title of the movie was Parasite and that there was this, you know, ooh, twist kind of thing. I thought, well, is it a space parasite? Is it that somebody is possessed by a parasite? What exactly is the parasite? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I will say this. It, at the end of the movie, at the end of the film, it does remain unclear exactly who or what the parasite is. But I will tell you, and this is not a spoiler, the parasite is not supernatural. And it's actually not a horror film. There is, yes, some violence that, though I would say, is in context, graphic but not gory. But again, within the context of the story, it fits and is appropriate. It's not a horror film, though, okay? No jump scares, no horror, no, no, no. All right, so here is my reflection about how I experience God in these two stories, and actually I think how they're connected, as a matter of fact. Friday night, I went to see, or actually Thursday night, excuse me, I went to see the opening night of The Outsiders. The high school where I teach is doing that as our production for the winter season. And the staging of it was really, really good. The theater that we perform at off campus has two versions of uh, stages. One is a traditional kind of big auditorium, large stage and, and so forth. Kind of a mid-sized actually auditorium style, theater style. And we do our musicals there, some of our larger plays we, we do on that stage. They also have under the same roof a black box style, you know, with like raised rafters, stages in the middle, three sides of seating and that's where they did this show, The Outsiders. And I'll tell you what, it really worked in that space. And I definitely got an up-close look. I, my reserve seats were right there in the front row. I felt like I was in the spotlight sometimes. Had to be real careful to sit still and, you know, not put my hands in strange places or anything. Uh, just to make sure that, because I knew people were looking at me when the actors were standing just a yard or, or so away from where I was sitting. So that really helped because the show was very simple. There was almost no um, scenery. In fact, there really wasn't any set at all. There were some props, a bench or two, a fountain sort of looking, a, a hospital bed plays prominently, a wheelchair and and other assorted props, but even things like cars were done with sound effects and lighting. And um, it was really simple in that way, which allowed the actors to really get the focus. And I'll tell you, going to see my students act is, is always fun because I get to see kids in one environment, in the classroom, in the hallways, uh, sometimes on the sports field. And then I get to see them in a totally different environment on stage acting. This particular show was pretty cool because I teach mostly freshmen and there were a lot of freshmen in the show, including some kids that 
I might not have looked at it and said, oh yeah, you know, he's definitely uh, an acting uh, sort or she is, you know, loves the spotlight. These are people I didn't necessarily see that way, but there they were on the stage, feet almost inches away from me. So that was pretty cool and um, just wonderful to see my students um, in that way. Now, I do have to say that The Outsiders as a plot is kind of problematic, all right? Now, I want you to know that I'm not criticizing the staging or the acting or anything that my students and the director and so forth put together, but it is a limited show in part because, well, I mean, everybody kind of reads it in high school or middle school even, right? So it is not that deep. It is not that complex, all right? And actually, it's even kind of dated because, well, you know, greasers and socias, sociables, you know, bobby socks and drive-ins and dances and whatnot, that's all well and good. And yeah, we still have those things, but it just, the show feels dated. And I don't mean dated because, you know, there's no social media or, or whatever, but it just feels like more of a historical piece than this is the way the world really is. Because let's face it, who has rumbles anymore, all right? Who uses brass knuckles? Who has guns that they're carrying around that aren't loaded, right? And I'm get, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying people should be carrying around loaded guns. I'm not a fan of that. That being said, it's a whole different world, really, than that is uh, set in. But I do think the title is still apt. And the main theme of the show, Outsiders, right? You have these different groups of people, the, the, the greasers who have hard lives, although the socioeconomic aspect of their life isn't really explored in the stage show, in part because, well, you don't see a house. The fact that these two brothers are living with their older brother, who's 20 and working in some kind of a you know, minimum wage type job, which I forget what it is, that certainly shows you know, low socioeconomic and obviously the socias are rich and privileged, but the whole idea of the class difference, while it is part of the story, isn't really explored that much, except to say that the outsiders are less privileged and therefore within the context of the story are tougher and meaner and put down upon and discriminated against. We, we certainly get those, um, those notes within the story. Well, I'm going to take a break here. I would encourage you to step, uh, to stay through this short message to hear about Parasite. Again, spoiler free, and how Parasite really has a very similar theme as The Outsiders, this outside class difference and really class struggle and class warfare in some sense, but in a very modern, interesting, highly stylized, filmatic context. So stay with me through the break. Be back with Parasite and I'll tell you about how I experience God's presence in both of these two really significant stories. Thank you for staying with me during the break. So in the second half here, Parasite. Now, I don't have the names of the director nor the names of the actors in front of me. And 
I've even forgotten the names of the two families. For shorthand, I'm going to say the poor family and the rich family, because that's really how they're set up in the movie. Now, the director is a Korean. I, again, don't have his name in front of me, but he's done really thoughtful, powerful films, including Snowpiercer, which if you haven't seen it, I recommend that. Find it somewhere. It's really pretty intense. Don't want to go into what the plot is, but it's pretty cool. So this film, Parasite, is really about class and about the struggle between the different classes and and not really struggle in the sense of warfare, let's say, like we sometimes think about class warfare, blah, 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 right? No, it's actually much more subtle than that. The story is, and again, I'm not giving away anything that you can't see in the trailer and in the first half of the film. Basically, there's this rich family and the poor family and the poor family, starting with the son, has ways that they begin to work for the rich family. The son starts tutoring the teenage daughter of the family, and then, lo and behold, he finds a way to bring his sister in, who has some background in art, and he brings her in as an art therapist that he knows from a friend of a friend, and she comes in and starts doing art therapy for the boy in the story, in the rich family, the younger brother of the sister who's being tutored. Well, then they together, now the two of them are working for the family, they arrange so that their dad becomes the driver for the dad of the rich family. And then so it goes. Eventually, all four of the family members of the poor family are working at the household within the lives of the rich family. And, of course, they are not saying that they know each other. The ways that they um, basically con the rich family into believing that it's all random and all sort of happenstance is is clever and also kind of comedic. There is definitely a dark humor, dark comedy humor to the film. And um, it, it's, you know... It's worth sort of uh, paying attention to when you watch it. I think for me, though, what was most amazing about it was the subtleness of the story. That the characters in their lives are shown to be different, of course, rich and poor. But there are similarities in the family makeup that you have an older um, daughter in the rich family, younger son, older son, younger daughter, in the poor family. But even where they live, their homes are shot in contrast to each other. And I I didn't recognize this until I watched and listened uh, to a number of commentaries, both on YouTube and podcasts, about the film. And one of the things that the director uses is windows. The very beginning, you see the home the dwelling place of the poor family. And they live in this sort of subterranean, semi-subterranean basement. Very small. They can't get Wi-Fi. That's at the very beginning, the first scene of the movie. They they can't get Wi-Fi. They have to like find a spot in their house, underground, subterranean, um, that they can get Wi-Fi from a bakery or a cafe or something like that. And, and again, there is dark 
humor in the film. And then they celebrate when they can get Wi-Fi. 2G, they say. And right there in the very first opening minutes, you see the window that they can see out onto the street. And, and that kind of becomes a bit of a joke because there's a neighbor or somebody who does some unseemly stuff a little bit in front of the window when he's apparently drunk. and But you get this window that they're looking out onto a street scene and, and they're, they're below the window. They're looking up at the window. Well, once you see the inside of the rich home, which is a, a compound remarkably behind a wall, you, you see the, the character stepping into this, into the light and the sun. And, um, and once you get inside of the rich house, there is a large wall-sized window that looks out remarkably not onto a neighborhood like the poor family, but onto a yard. And it is in that yard that key scenes take place uh, in the, the film as it, as it goes forward. But again, this idea of each family has a window, one looks out on, not squalor, because the poor family is not destitute. They have a home. They do live. It's pretty terrible, really, with bugs and fumigation that comes in and no Wi-Fi, but they're living, they're getting by. But the rich family just has this beautiful, stunning sort of place. Well, that's all I'm going to say about the film itself, except that it really is remarkable. I, 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 I need to watch it again. I, I rented it on Amazon for a few dollars and, and I really want to watch it again because there's so much visually and the story is so well told and there are scenes that parallel each other and um, the idea of stairs and, and going up and going down and uh, water plays a, a significant part. I mean, it's, it's just really, really remarkable. Um, but where I felt God's presence is between these two stories, all right, this idea of outsiders and who is in and who is out and the difference between rich and poor. Because in The Outsiders, the two groups, the poor greasers and the rich socias, are really at war with each other. Although the point of The Outsiders is that they find that they are more similar than not because some of the socias end up being sympathetic and some of the outsiders are just not well in their sort of ways that they respond to things. Um, so that is really kind of one of the, the conclusions of The Outsiders. Again, it's a simple story. That's, that's not a complex insight. Parasite, though, has this level of complexity and this level of ambiguity in that it's unclear because, you know, this idea of warfare, that the two families aren't warring with each other. They need each other. And even though one is majorly deceiving the other, the rich family it's shown in the film, they, they really just can't get by without the housekeeper, without the driver, without the, the tutor and the art therapist, that they are essential and vital to the functioning of the family. So I felt God's presence in this because, again, it's a reminder to me that in Jesus's time, there were definite outsiders. There were definite insiders. There were the rich. There were the, the poor, the very poor, the working class, Jesus and his family. And some of those tensions, some of those struggles are, are still in the world. Those haven't gone away. But I think what Parasite shows and, and what the economics of our time shows is that the wealthier 
are getting wealthier. They're gaining more of the piece of the pie. More and more of the pie is theirs. And again, I don't have statistics in front of me, but you can look this up. I mean, there's there's plenty of legitimate data on this. And we see that in Parasite, the difference in the contrast between the two families, even when it rains, that's where the water comes in later. There's a storm. And and again, I'm not going to give too much of the plot away here, but the the rich family, it, it's it's beautiful watching the rain for them. And it's it's kind of um, sort of just comfortable, whereas for the poor family, it's disastrous and disgusting and terrible. And again, that's that's happening more and more in our world and in our society that the rich are becoming richer and the poor are stuck and even the middle class is stuck and the question is where would Jesus be in the midst of this well he profoundly was on the side of the outsider the side of the outcast the side of the poor you know one of the key parts of catholic social teaching that sadly i don't think we talk about enough anymore is the preferential option for the poor. Jesus loved everyone. Christ was present with everyone he met. That being said, he was on the side of the poor. He was where the poor were. And again, if he was going to be invited to a dinner at one of these two houses, he'd go to both, I think. But he would be at the house of the poor family, below ground, with the bugs, without the Wi-Fi, with the fumigation, the bug spraying, coming through the window, with the obnoxious, drunken neighbor outside, Christ Jesus would be there. Well, I hope this has been a good listen for you. And I'd like you just to think about where have you seen that contrast recently between rich and poor haves and have-nots, wealth and lack of wealth, and How have you experienced God's presence in the midst of that? Where has God been in that? And where has God been challenging you in that? What have you seen? What have you felt? Where has God been in the midst of that for you? As always, thank you so much for listening. Glad you are back with me. Bit of a long episode. I will keep them shorter. Had a lot to talk about. That Parasite film is really quite something. So... Thank you so much for listening. Blessings and peace.